Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Koinonia Church Message Library. Our hope is that today's message encourages you, challenges you, and brings you closer to Jesus. We are confident that God's Word is living and active and is relevant for us today. Thanks for joining us. Enjoy the message. Um, Today is my birthday. I'm 25 today, and I'm wearing a dress shirt because I discovered that 25 is when you actually become an adult. When you... When you turn 18, you become an adult, but then there's this time between 18 and 25 where you're kind of a teenager, you're kind of an adult, no one knows what you are, you live at home, but you work, anyways. (laughs) Welcome to Koinonia. Ah, all right. Well, the way that I was planning on starting my message was rather serious, actually. Um, Because what I like to do is I like to come up and, you know, do kind of what just happened, where something, I tell you a funny story or we laugh together so that we can just kind of... But before I get into the heart of this message, I I haven't been able to shake this, this feeling that There are some of us here today who are having a really difficult time trusting God. Specifically, trusting that God's words are actually true. Not just true in general, but true for us. And so today, if if that's you, if you're having a hard time trusting that God's words are true, then this, this message is for you. Now, what I would love to say is that, you know, God is coming for you and he's gonna, you know. But what I believe God wants to do today is he's inviting you. He's not going to come and wake you up. He's inviting you to come to him and see what he might do as you humble yourself before him. Let's pray together. God, thank you that we can come together as a church community and learn together from your word. Holy Spirit, we welcome you this morning as we, as we experience you, as we worship you God, we humble ourselves before you, and we invite your Holy Spirit to change us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, this morning, we are going to talk together about simple trust. But before we talk about simple trust, I need to know, just for myself, are there any unashamed control freaks present in the house with us this morning? Are there any? Okay, there's a couple that are so bold to put. My hand is up as well, but I prefer to use the term particular. I... I am quite particular, okay? So let me just, if, if you come over to my house for dinner and we have a great time, we're, you know, we're eating, we finish up dessert, we're laughing at the table, then because you're kind, uh, you take your dishes and you bring them over and then you say, Nick, let me, just, let me just load your dishwasher, let me help you. And I'm like, no, 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 it's fine. I got it covered. But because you're very kind, you insist. You're like, no, no, let me help. So because I'm humble in heart, I will let you do that. Um, But as soon as you open the door and you step outside of my home, I'm going to open my dishwasher and fix it. (laughs) Fix what you did, because I am very particular. (laughs) I like to be in control of my dishwasher. Now, as humans, we love to be in control, don't we? We love to be in control. But something happens where we begin to believe this lie that when I am in control, everything will go according to to plan. This, by the way, is a lie. Allow me to illustrate for you, okay? Who 
do you think has more control behind a steering wheel? A professional Formula One driver gets paid millions of dollars a year to drive his race car. Over here, we have Dylan, who just got his G1, and he's trying to figure out the difference between the turn signal and the uh, windshield wiper thing. Who do you feel has more control over their vehicle? F1 guy or Dylan? F1 guy, exactly. Now, I also would, would agree with you. I would say F1 guy, he's way more safe in his car. In fact, I would be more safe in that car with him. But this is where the illusion of control comes in because as soon as both F1 guy and Dylan pull up to a red light, there is nothing keeping them safe from the guy texting, driving right into them. Can both F1 guy is really in control, but control can become an illusion of security. Control can become an illusion of security. And, and today we're talking about simple trust. And let me define trust for you, because if control is over on this end of the line, trust is down on the other end of the line. Trust is a firm... This is from the dictionary, by the way. Trust is a firm belief in the ability, reliability, strength, or truth of someone or something. This is trust. A firm belief in the reliability, the ability, truth, and strength of someone or something. We can choose trust in many areas of life, but I, I often would prefer to choose control. <laughs> now, it is Christmas time after all, isn't it? It's the most wonderful time of the year. But I've noticed that Christmas seems to bring out the controlling person in all of us, doesn't it? And this just, you know, if you don't believe that's true, you're wrong. Because this is what we do, okay? We say to ourselves, well, this year my sister-in-law, she's in charge of the turkey, but I usually do the turkey, and I know that she's going to overcook it. So what I'm going to do is probably just go pick up the festive special from Swish LA, and I will save the day. Because when I'm in control, Christmas is perfect. Or uh, maybe you are a, a parent with young kids, and you build these beautiful, intricate Christmas decorations and put them in the middle of your table. This is what happened at my house. And then you say to your kids, do not touch this. <laughs> but if I could control my kids touching my Christmas decoration in the middle of the table, then we will have the perfect Christmas because we'll have the perfect table. When I am in control, everything will go according to plan. Or maybe this is your situation this year. Uh, my extended family, they're in charge of our, our gathering. And usually I'm in charge, but they're in charge this year. And honestly, they're just going to mess it up. They're a bit of a wild card, but when I'm in control, Christmas will go perfectly according to plan. <laughs> Do you see how that lie just always seems to sneak its way in? Now, it's funny that Christmas brings out our desire for control because actually at Christmas, we see God's response to humanity's desire for control. And we're going to look deeper at this in a little bit. And what I want to do today is, is a little bit different. I want to do a bit of a character study in the book of Luke, as we think and talk about simple trust. Now, we're going to do a character study from Luke chapter 1. And this portion of the message, it may remind you a little bit of English class studying characters. That is the point. Okay, so let's, let me tell you about these characters. We have Mary, 
who is the mother of Jesus. And the other character that we are going to look at is Zechariah. Zechariah is the father of John the Baptist, okay? We don't often hear about Zechariah. I usually skip him to get to the Christmassy part, um, but we're going to look at him today. Now, these characters are both similar and very unique. They're similar because both Mary and Zechariah receive a message from an angel to tell them that they will have a baby, a son, who will be very important in being involved with ushering in God's kingdom into the world. So they both receive a similar message. Now, both of them also have a little bit of biology working against them in this story, if you know what I mean. Zechariah is quite old. He's, he's very old. Okay, so biology. Mary, she's not married. We read that she is a virgin. So again, biology is at work here. But through both of these characters and how they respond to the message of the angel, we together are going to learn something about simple trust in God. So let me give you some background, okay? Let's start with Zechariah. I mentioned he's old. Um, Zechariah is also a priest. He's kind of like a professional Christian. He works at the temple, um, and, and he has various roles there working at the temple. And the important thing to note here is that the temple is where God would speak directly to his people. God would speak to a priest, and then the priest would speak on behalf of God to the people. So this was Zechariah's job. He was literally working in God's presence. Okay. In verse 13 of Luke chapter 1, you can turn to Luke 1, by the way. I'm going to put some scriptures on the screen eventually, but if you have a Bible with you, um, open it with me. In verse 13, we read the angel is speaking to Zechariah, and the angel says, Zechariah, your prayers have been heard. You will have a son. Now, Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, they're quite old, and they have been praying for God to give them a son. But the angel is not speaking in present tense here about Zechariah's prayers. He's speaking in past tense. So before Zechariah receives this message that he's going to have a baby, he's already stopped asking God for one. He's kind of given up on his prayers. So this is some, some background on Zechariah. Next, Mary. We know about Mary. Scholars presume Mary was quite young because she was not yet married But the other thing that we need to note here about age is that age is often directly connected to experience and experience connected to knowledge in the ways of God. So we have this old guy, Zechariah, and in the story, he is supposed to be the one who knows God. He's old, he's wise, and he should have the experience to hear and communicate with God. And then we have this young woman, Mary, who is young. And so the idea here is that when you're young, you don't know anything. <laughs> and, and so Mary is not as experienced in her ways, in the ways of God. And so if we're comparing these two characters here, Mary should be the one who is not familiar with God. The next thing to note here, when the angel delivers her message to Mary, Mary is not in a particularly holy or divine place. Zechariah is in the temple, which is where God is supposed to deliver his messages. And Mary is in this town called Nazareth. She was probably, you know, doing some chores, or I don't know what she was doing. We don't know. She was nowhere particularly important or divine. In verse 30, we read this interesting line that the angel tells us about Mary. The angel reveals something to us, similarly 
how the angel revealed something to us about Zechariah. The angel tells us, Mary, you have found favor with God. So cool. You have found favor with God. Why, you might ask? The angel doesn't tell us. Don't you love the Bible? (laughs) Okay, so let's put these scriptures up on the screen. I've placed both responses of each character here so that we can look at them together. So, eventually, the giant Bible will appear. Okay, so let's look at Zechariah's response to the angel. Okay, so the angel delivers this eloquent message. Zechariah's in the temple where he is supposed to hear from God. And this is how he responds to the angel saying, Zechariah, you will have a son. Verse 18. How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, and my wife, this is very generous, is well along in years. How can I be sure of this? Zechariah's response to the angel, he's looking for a little bit more evidence. How can I be sure of this? He's not yet confident that the angel's words will come true. Now, let me ask you something. If an angel appears to you out of nowhere and delivers a message from God to you, what more evidence could you ask for? Like, I don't know what else he's expecting. Like, the legions of angels to come down and say it a zillion. I don't know. But he wants more evidence. He wants more evidence. Now, let's look at Mary's response. It seems similar because both are logical questions. But I believe they're coming from a different place. Mary says, how will this be since I am a virgin? How will this be? Zechariah is wondering how it's possible, and he's wanting more evidence, and Mary is saying, okay, I believe you. God, how on earth is that going to work? Mary already is believing this message from God delivered by the angel, and we know Zechariah is already in a place of doubt. Now, let's look at how the angel responds to each of them. Okay, so let's go to the next one. The angel responds to Zechariah in verse 19. Now, this is awesome. The angel is flexing a little bit here. The angel just sticks his chest out a little bit, kind of puts his arms down like this, and then he says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I've been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent. Now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day that this happens because you did not believe my words. Now, look at the last part. My words, which will come true at their appointed time. Okay, I'm going to address the silence part in a little bit. But the first thing I want you to notice here is that even within Zechariah's doubt in God's message to him through the angel, the angel still says, buddy, even though you don't believe me, God is still faithful. (laughs) Even though you don't trust God's words to you in this moment, he's still faithful because These words will come true at their appointed time. And so today, if you are struggling to trust God's words to you, you need to know that your struggle doesn't just delete you from God's plan. God is not bummed because you you don't trust him. God is faithful. He can be trusted. And what you might find is God will give you an opportunity to begin to build your trust in him again. Now, those opportunities often look like reasons to push God away. But the reasons that we may find to push God away may also be an invitation for us to draw closer to him. 
Let's look next at Mary's response. Okay, verse 35. Excuse me, the angel's response to Mary. The angel says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, this is really cool because Mary just says, All right, let's do this. I don't know how it's going to work. Let's do it. And the angel's like, Okay, I can work with that. Here's exactly how it's going to work. Now, let's, let's go to the next one, the next scripture. Look at how Mary responds. The angel, I, I deleted a couple verses because the angel is an angel, so I guess they talk long. Um, I didn't skip any of Mary's words. This is how Mary responds to the message of the angel. I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Wow. Mary responds to God's message with confidence, with trust, with the firm belief in the ability, reliability, truth, and strength of God's words to her. Mary believes that God is trustworthy. Now, let's look at Zechariah's response. He doesn't. (laughs) Because the angel said to him, because you did not believe this message, you will be silent. Now, I do not want you to see this silence as a punishment. God is not punishing Zechariah for his lack of faith in him. God's not going, sucker, you should have trusted me. Now you can't speak for nine months. Could you imagine having a very old pregnant wife and not being able to speak? Seriously, that sounds like a punishment, doesn't it? God is not using this silence as a punishment. What did Zechariah ask for? He asked for a sign. And God's like, dude, you want a sign? Here is the sign of silence. (laughs) Until your son is born, you will not be able to speak. Now, again, this may seem like a punishment, but what God is doing here is lovingly correcting one of his sons. God is lovingly correcting one of his sons. And the reason we know this is a loving correction is because of the way that Zechariah responds to it. First of all, the baby is born. So we've got that out of the way. Second, the moment that Zechariah realigns with God's plan and writes on this tablet, the baby's name is John. He can speak again. So that's great. But also, if you look down in your Bibles to verse 67, Zechariah sings this beautiful song. He sings this beautiful song about how happy he is to have a son, about God's plan for redemption, and about how trustworthy God's words are. Because over the course of those nine months, every time he wanted to speak and he couldn't, it was a reminder that God's words could be trusted. So, do not go looking for God's punishment. God is not punishing you. If you are struggling to trust him, I want you to look for opportunities where God may actually be drawing you close. Do you think it was easy to not speak for nine months? No. Correction is rarely easy. But when we receive correction from a loving God, we receive his love along with that correction, and God realigns us with his plan. Okay. So we have these two characters, Mary and Zechariah. I wonder, which one do you feel like you are closer to? Do you feel like the old, wise, experienced one who is struggling to trust God's words? Do you feel like the the young one who is not experienced, but just like, all right, God, whatever you got, I want it. Let's do it. 
which character do you feel most like? You know, there's something about this passage that has been bugging me. And the thing that's been bugging me is the fact that we don't actually know, like, what causes Mary to come to a place of trust in God and what is really at the heart of Zechariah's doubt. Like, we can extrapolate and we can look through the text and, you know, come up with a couple answers. But really, what I would love is to take their responses and package them into this beautiful three-point thing and then say, Merry Christmas, church. Here's what to do when you're struggling with trust. (laughs) I would love to do that. And the thing is, I didn't write the Bible. The conclusion here that we come to when we see Mary's response and Zechariah's response is a simple trust that's displayed in Mary when she says, may your words to me be fulfilled. Now, I don't want to just say, all right, folks, just trust God. Everything will be fine. (laughs) Because that's not really that helpful, is it? But there is going to come a point for all of us when three points on trust is actually not really enough. There's going to come a point there's going to come a point for all of us where we can have the desire to choose control over our situation over what's happening to us over what somebody said to us and we can do our best to control that (laughs) or the other choice is to switch to a simple trust in God's words to us but I know that when you are in the middle of something dark something difficult something that keeps you awake at night saying just trust God is is not enough is it but neither is a three-point framework on how to trust God our trust in God is not a blind trust it's one that's based in relationship with him And I could share with you the names of people who are in the middle of this dark cloud right now. In the last months, people who've lost a home, lost a baby, lost a job, lost a business, lost a reputation, lost out on education. And maybe you are in the middle of one of those things right now. And the last thing that you need is somebody to say, just trust what God is doing. (laughs) There was a time when I was right in the middle of that. I was experiencing this terrible darkness. And in this dark period that I was experiencing, I began to stop trusting God and began to looking for ways to take control of my life myself. And I felt like the more control that I had, the the better I would be at fixing this darkness. And just to give you a context of how, how dark this moment was, My attempts at control began to show up in thoughts like this. The only, I'm I'm driving down the highway, and my thought process is the only way for me to get out of this dark cloud is to drive into this bridge. And then I will find a way out of this dark cloud. But do you see the lie creeping in again? When I am in control, everything is okay. I can make everything okay. And I wish that I could tell you that listening to Hillsong or Bethel or reading the message translation helped me get rid of this darkness. But the thing, the only thing that allowed me to walk through this darkness was a simple trust in God's words to me. 
Now, God did not send an angel to me. God sent me his word, scripture. And the words that I had hidden in my heart from God were what began to allow me to not, they didn't make the dark cloud go away. It allowed me to walk through the dark cloud. And the words that I had to hold on to were from John 14, verse 33. When Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. And the reason that I have tears right now is because I know I know that there are many followers of Jesus in this room who have great trouble. Who have great trouble. You are in the middle of a dark cloud and you are saying, God, can you be trusted? In this world, Jesus said, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. And this scripture, it's, the, the Bible is not magical, it's just true. When you open it, your hair doesn't fly back and pixie dust come out. But when you take the truth that's in scripture and you begin to hide it in your heart, and you begin to rehearse it and remind yourself of what it says, you will be surprised at the darkness you will be able to walk through because of the power of God's spirit. And so today, if you are deep within a dark cloud, I want to ask you, what words from God are you holding on to? Are you able to respond like Mary and say, may your words to me be true? Because that is what God wants you to be able to respond with. And God has given us words to hold on to. And so I've made a small list, and you'll see them up on the side screens. If you are in the middle of a dark cloud and you need just a place to start, You're like, I've tried everything. I don't know what else to do. Start here. It's a small list. And as you begin to hide these words in your heart, and you begin in prayer to say them out loud, to write them in your journal, you begin in the middle of those dark and desperate moments to speak them and repeat them over yourself. You won't see the dark cloud magically disappear, but you will find is that the Holy Spirit will give you the strength to continue to walk through that dark cloud. We need to have God's word hidden in our heart so that in these moments of desperation, we can respond like Mary. May your words to me be true. The worship team is about to lead us into a moment where we can encounter God through music. And I want you to just stay seated for this next moment. And as you are seated, I want you to reflect on this. Because remember at the beginning, I mentioned that Christmas is God's response to humanity's desire for control. I want you to reflect on this truth. Christmas is a time where we celebrate the fact that Jesus, that God freely gave of himself And today, God is inviting you to give yourself to him. Christmas is the time where we celebrate the fact that God freely gave of himself. And today, God is inviting you to give yourself to him. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. 
We want to encourage you to let the Holy Spirit sink today's message into your heart, to let it transform you and bring new life. If you want to learn more about Koinonia, you can go to kcf.life to get connected. Thank you for being a part of our community. If today's message encouraged you, we would love for you to rate it and review it and share it with a friend. We love you. Let's continue to build God's kingdom together.